Welcome to Live in the Messiah's Love. I'm Kimisha Lucier, and I'm so glad you're here with me today. Recently, the Lord said to me that His promises are vessels for His mercy and His grace to be delivered to His people. One example of that would be the mercy that God wanted to show us of salvation came through a promise that was made to Abraham, which is the Messiah coming through the world in a virgin birth. And that sinless sacrifice, the Lord spoke to us concerning him over and over again by promising that he would bring his Savior into the world. So when we think about the words that God speaks to us, when we think about his word, the written word of God in general, we should be looking and and viewing those promises as the way and the, the vessels, the vehicles that God is using to bring his mercy and his grace to us. Today, we're going to talk about grace currency. It's, it's kind of the way that the Lord has ministered to me of how to perceive his grace and to properly handle it so that I'm not being wasteful of it or mistreating the grace of God that's been provided uh, by his promises and his presence. So what is the difference between grace and mercy? My husband, uh, Pastor John, has a, a wonderful way of describing it. it. It really made it easy for me to understand when he articulated it to me in this way. He said, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And you might have heard it uh, called his unmerited favor. He's giving us good things and blessings that we haven't earned, we don't deserve, and we could never possibly deserve it. Um, it's simply because of his goodness that he bestows uh, his favor on us or, or gives us good things. The mercy of God is God not giving us what we do deserve. Uh, the penalty of our sin is death and Jesus took all of it. So Jesus is the ultimate um, vessel, the ultimate display of God's mercy to us, but also his grace. But in particular, the penalty of sin, the penalty of going to hell and be, being eternally separated from God, Jesus took that for us so that we were able to now take his place and have a presence with God or be in the presence of God and enjoy all the blessings and benefits that he did earn with his sinless and spotless life here on the earth. So those are, they're closely related. We often see mercy and grace coming together. But grace is that giving of something that we didn't deserve. And mercy is withholding what we, the, the bad or the penalty that we do deserve. So oh, a couple years ago, God shared something with me about grace as we were examining my life. Um, there are times that God has set me aside to just review things that have happened and give me understanding as to why certain things happened and how I could walk in a, in, in a way before him that I wasn't reliving those same things over and over or giving, he was explaining to me how I could make different choices um, in my present and in my future. So I, I love doing that with God. And it wasn't something that was um, mourning over past sin because it's under the blood and you know he re remembers my sin no more he remembers your sin no more and I don't remember my sin either I don't know about you but I I take that benefit that God has given and I put it away um, and as we begin to mature before God maturity happens because learning happens and there's a receiving of the learning of the education that's coming forward 
from, especially in the spiritual realm. It's not just about learning scriptures and memorizing scriptures and knowing how to say hallelujah at the right time or, you know, having your spiritual uh, outfit on for the week. That that has nothing to do with being mature in God. You look good to humanity, but does that stand in the presence of God? And I would say, no, it doesn't. What stands and causes us to grow in the things of God is learning what God's word says, but also understanding how Holy Spirit feels about it and learning how to walk in such a way that we are no longer tossed to and fro or um, easily beset by sin, but we begin to rule over it. And that happens with understanding. And, you know, the scripture tells us to get wisdom and it says, but with your wisdom, get understanding because as wise as you are, if you don't understand how to apply the word of God, or you don't understand how to recognize the schemes of the devil, you'll be falling prey to those things over and over. So as God took me, um, and he continues to do so through opportunities to grow and mature and just to learn from him, because I want to know his ways. He said to me, he said, Kamisha, you have a, a determined period on this earth. You know, yes, God will satisfy me with long life. And I absolutely believe that. And God is absolutely faithful to his word, but that's still you know, I was born at this time and the Lord knows the day that I will transition from this earth. And he said, I've given you my grace. Now, do you want to spend the next, you know, however many years of your life with my grace, just digging you out of pits or, you know, picking you up out of trouble that you've caused over and over? Or do you want to see my grace do what it's actually designed to do and move you forward into the things that I have for you? God's grace is designed to help us and it's designed to help uh, propel us forward into our God-given destiny. And yes, it does get us out of trouble, but it isn't meant to be abused. It isn't meant to just um, keep digging us out of the same sin over and over. And we never come to a place of maturity or growth in him that we're able to put the sin behind us ourselves by the grace of God, absolutely, but put it behind us willingly and walk forward. And now we're not faced with those same challenges over and over. What's an example of that? Oh, let's see. Uh, stealing or lying. Let's take lying for an example. I had become accustomed to lying as a way of life. If I, if I needed to get myself out of trouble, I would lie. And God would say, as I became saved and I was like, oh, Lord, you know, this is still tempting for me to lie because I've relied on it for so long in my life. How do I make this transition? And, and you know, God would say, I'll help you. But at some point, you have to put lying away from you and take that threat out of your life because then there's a threat not only of the lie itself, but now you got to be concerned about getting caught or whatever the initial trouble was that you were trying to avoid. And God would tell me, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't need to lie, but if you make a better decision that will keep the necessity of lying out of the way, you'll be able to grow and move forward. And so instead of me going yielding to my flesh and taking an opportunity and just telling the lie and going, okay, well, God, you help me now, help me not get caught or help me not get in trouble for what I did. And using the grace of God in that way, I began to say, okay, let me apply the grace of God back here and use self-control and restraint and operate in excellence from a spirit of excellence and do what I know I'm supposed to do up front. So I then present myself no need to lie. I have no reason to lie because my work is open and free to be examined. 
Um, and that would include my lifestyle or whatever the case was, the, the reason in the past that I felt to lie about. But now I'm saying, okay, the grace of God is meant to move me forward. So instead of creating a situation that I have to lie my way out of, I'll just avoid that because I don't have to do that. I don't need that in my life. And I'll say, okay, God, now that that's out the way, what can I use your grace for now? Now God can talk to me about his plan for my life, his vision for what he's designed me for and how he wants to bring it about in this season. Who does he want me to minister to in this season? And um, so it was cases like that. And, you know, that that applied everywhere in my life. It applied in my my parenting, in my marriage, in my finances, um, in my self-esteem, all of those kind of things. When I applied the grace of God in the right way, I stopped having to spend it on digging me out of holes just to get me back to square one. You know, I create a pit for myself and fall into it and then go, oh God, help me, help me. And then we're spending the next 30 years and that's how we're living in the cycle of God just digging me out of the same trouble over and over. And, you know, God is eternal, but while we have on our earth suits, we are limited to our flesh. So time is going by and I just spent 10 or 15 years working on just not lying or whatever this this one case is and I never got to hearing you know what does your word lord uh, what does your word mean god how do i rightly divide the word of truth you know because the time has been spent doing other things that are not valuable or profitable to my life so when he said that like how do you want to spend your grace with me how do you want to spend this time together kamisha you know you're still struggling with sexual sin you're still struggling with um, idolatry, you're still struggling with lying or hatred or envy or jealousy. Really? You know, the God of all creation is here speaking to you and that's all you want to do with his time? Uh, no. Okay. So when he said that to me, I began to go, oh, really? Okay. So I don't have to live my life in bondage and you just cutting my shackles every week. Oh, okay, God, that, that's a different story. I didn't know that was an opportunity. I didn't know that existed. But now that you mention it, I would like to do the things that you've called me to do. I would like to um, finish the course. I would like to receive and walk into my destiny, like what I'm actually purposed to do. But that also requires a, a concept or perception in your mind of what God wants is good and using his grace appropriately. Now let's read Hebrews chapter 12 verses 12 through 17, uh, 17 says, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. So in the example that I was talking about of lying or the Lord digging me out of the same pit, there are consequences to living our life in a way of abusing the grace of God and just using it to um, be an excuse for us not to put a sin away from us. And, you know, self-pity comes in that, that verse 12, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. In my Bible, I have get your mind right. You know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop pitying yourself. And especially if you are causing your own trouble, <laughs> you know, what's there to feel sorry about? There are consequences that come when we use God's grace in an inappropriate way. Especially once you get saved and you're beyond, you know, that, that baby phase, we should be moving on to meet 
and the, the meat of the word and the mature things that we're able to teach others and just show an example of how others should walk before God and how they can walk before God. They're able to do that because God is here to help us and his grace is designed for that purpose. But when we put away from us that that childish mentality that says, well, I know this is wrong, God, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because I know you'll your your grace is is going to be there for me and I know your mercy is going to be there for me you'll get me out of trouble and you'll still give me good god uh, good things lord the the grace of god is so diminished when we use it that way and we don't get the full expression of it i want to look at galatians chapter 2 verse 21 it says i do not set aside the grace of god for if righteousness comes through the law then christ died in vain so in the the King James version of that, it says uh, where it says set aside the grace. It also says frustrate the grace of God. And that means to despise it, to reject it, to bring it to nothing, to frustrate or to disannul or to cast off the grace of God. And when you think about that in the, the terms that we've been talking about, growing past using God's grace just to dig us out of the pit of sin and of knowing sin over and over <clears throat> excuse me, that the Holy Spirit isn't pleased with that. And just because he shows us grace in the situation and he has mercy on us doesn't mean he condones that lifestyle or that way of approaching him. He wants us to grow up and go, okay, you know what, Lord, we're not going to be dealing with lying anymore because you've already covered that. You've redeemed me from that. You've delivered me. You've shown me your grace and your mercy over and over. I'm letting that go out of my life. And now we're going to spend our time talking about, you know, what mysteries do you have for me to see God? Who do you want me to pray for? I'm not available to pray for other people or to intercede for them fully. I'm not available to hear the mysteries of God if I'm still struggling and dealing with the sin of lying or, you know, whatever it is, lust, sexual sin, disobedience, rebellion. If I'm still wasting my time with God on that, then I don't have an opportunity. I'm not available to hear the greater things. I'm not available to get to the more wonderful things that God has for us and he wants to show us because I'm busy. I'm occupied with something else. So, you know, there's there's people in the scriptures that we can look at and watch how they use the grace of God. And we can look at that and the scripture is written for our, our, our learning. It's written for our betterment. It's written to help us to make different choices to make better choices because we can watch other people doing uh, and living before God. We can see their mistakes and we can see the, the victories that they had so we can make better judgments. Whereas, you know, they didn't necessarily have that, uh, that um, tool and that resource and we do. So let's take advantage of it. The children of Israel, when we saw God bringing them out of Egypt, he brought them out with wealth. He brought them out with supernatural health. He really blessed them. But when they got into the wilderness, they kept sinning against God with stuff that they should have known better. And in particular, they complained against God. And God's grace and his mercy over and over, his grace was to take them from Egypt to the land of promise uh, physically. The grace of God was meant to deliver them with all the wealth that they needed, with their health and all of that, and take them right on into the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land with houses that were already built for them to dwell in, filled with all good things that they didn't have to fill, the orchards that were already planted, the vineyards that were already planted, and the things that were ready. And God had a plan for how he would do that. He said, little by little, I'll take you into the land unless it becomes too great for you, because they weren't used to doing all of that kind of cultivation. They were sheep herders, um, or they were shepherds 
in Egypt. So they had to learn things. They also had to learn how to defend themselves as a people. So God intended for their time in the wilderness to be a time of, of preparation, a time of training, a time of renewing their mind and their strength and encouragement for them to go into the place that God ultimately desired for them to be uh, physically, the land that he asked them to occupy and that he set aside for them. He had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what happened? They kept complaining against God and assuming that God would just let it go, assuming that he would just forgive them and it was just going to be okay and they could just grumble against God and keep circling this mountain of sin, these particular sins, over and over and over. And God came to a point was like, listen, I'm t we're not doing that anymore. The grace for this is over. You will not enter into the promised land. You're going to die in the wilderness because while you were complaining about my grace, you were also um, declaring that you were going to die here and I will let you have what you've already declared. So be it unto you according to your word. And those people died in the wilderness with the exception of um, Joshua and Caleb. They had the grace of God that was meant to take them into the promised land and they spent it complaining against God and um, resisting the will and the word of the Lord. And it caused them not to meet their destiny and they fell short of it and died in the wilderness. Um, Moses, he had God's grace to um, be a deliverer for the people, to deliver the law, to speak with them and be a mouthpiece for God. But when he struck the rock the second time, when he got told him to speak to it, God had dealt with his temper and he had been gracious towards him and still used them even though he had a temper that was uncontrolled and unrestrained. And when he came to this point where God said, hey, there's, they're complaining against, about water again. That's fine. Son, I'm talking to you because you should have matured by now. And this is my, my synopsis of what happened in that situation. Um, he said, speak to the rock because the rock also represented the Messiah. And instead of listening to God, he abused the grace of God and said, well, I can do this because I'm Moses. And he struck the rock um, the second time. I think he struck it twice in that event and water came out. So God was gracious and he still provided them with water. But there was a consequence to Moses because Moses frustrated that grace. He set aside the grace of God and didn't respect it for what it was meant to do and thought I can take a liberty here because my name is Moses and I've been with God all this time and he's been gracious to me before he put me in the cleft of the rock to show me his glory and that means I can do what I want to here versus putting the right value and esteem on the grace of God and um, rightly discerning the holiness of God in how God's grace was being shown to him. God gave him grace to speak to these people and to shepherd them into the promised land. God gave Moses grace to do that, but that grace didn't mean you can act how you want. That grace didn't mean it was supposed, supposed to be spent in a way that did not glorify God or honor him. So Moses ended up missing out on the fruition of what he was called to do, which was walking in the promised land. And you'll, you'll read in, in those um, instances and in, in his testimony of his life that God said, okay, you're not going in the promised land because you did not um, revere me or present me as holy to the people here. You, you, you demonstrated that God's holiness doesn't matter in front of the people of Israel. So there, you're not going in the promised land. Actually, you're going to go this far. You're going to take them to this point, And then you're going to come up on the mountain. You can look at it with your eyes. You know, God still showed grace in that, but that's not what his grace was for. His grace was to take um, Moses into the promised land and he let him see it. And then he said, come up on the mountain and die. And so that was how Moses left the earth. Now, glory to God. He still made it to glory with the Lord. 
the angel, you know, he, he just went to sleep and died. <laughs> he didn't die a painful death. He wasn't sick or old. God just says, time is up. Come on, come home. It's time for you to come home, son. Your grace for this has ended and it, it's time for you now to transition. So he was not able to finish or fulfill the role and, and enjoy all the goodness and blessing that God desired for him because he mishandled the grace of God in that particular case. Um, what about Noah? The ark in Noah's time, they had never seen rain on the earth. And Noah heard what God said and he moved in, in respect and reverence for the things of God. And he built that boat and it took him like a hundred years or so to build that boat. And all the time, the grace of God is saying, hey, everybody, you see this man, even with the sight of him building the boat in their presence was preaching the, the word of the Lord saying, hey, come to come to God so that you'll be saved. Come to God so you'll be saved. And the entire world watched him that whatever, whoever was available at that point, watched him building this boat. And out of the entire population of the world, only eight people were saved because eight people chose to enter into that grace that God gave, whereas the rest of the world did not. And by that, they sealed their own fate, that they abused the grace of God and used it to um, marry and give in marriage. You see in Matthew, it talks about how they were living their life. And then you can read in Genesis what was going on. Everybody was living just like God had never spoken. Like no, there was no consequence coming. There was no day coming where the Lord would judge the earth and judge what was happening. And they kept going on about their business and looking at someone who was testifying or preaching of what God said was coming. And that was God's grace being supplied. And they fell short of that grace and they disdained it. They set it up. They um, set it aside and they nullified the grace of God in their own life because they did not handle it rightly. So don't nullify the grace of God in your life. Don't make it of minimal effect to you because you're mishandling it. Appreciate that grace. Thank God for who he is. Treat him and his grace like a prize and let the mercy of God bring you, keep you from hell, absolutely, and keep you from the snare of the wicked one. But let that grace propel you. You have two, two operations working here with mercy and grace. Grace keeps the trouble keeps you from trouble when you let it right and grace moves you forward and grace is what digs you out of the pit when you fall into one but do your best not to fall into one because it's absolutely within your power um the apostle paul who was actually the one who wrote uh i believe galatians chapter 2 where it says i do not set aside the grace of god for if righteousness came through the law or comes through the law then christ died in vain Paul respected the grace of God. And you'll see if you, you read through the New Testament and you read through his writings, he oftentimes ref, uh, refers to the grace that was given to him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the grace of God that was given to him to um, minister in his ministry. And he recognizes that. And when he refers to it, it's with honor and with a sense of not um, misusing it or mistreating it, that, that he was circumspect concerning the grace of God, which is the right attitude. And then we see how much God did and how much ministry came out of Paul's life because Paul was walking and working with the grace of God, the grace of God working in him to do these things. And he willingly cooperated with it versus struggling against or fighting against the grace of God versus mistreating the grace of God. What if Paul said, yes, I know that I'm called 
Um, the Lord has given me grace to come preach to the Gentiles, but I'm not going to do that. I have another plan for my life. I'm actually going to stand over here and I'm going to keep persecuting the church or I'm going to um, be entangled with the uh, with sexual sin or bondage of alcoholism or, you know, I'm going to make myself a slave to something or someone else. What if he had taken that time with God and the grace that was given and turned for God just to deliver him out of that nonsense over and over? We wouldn't be reading <laughs> Paul's account of or his letters to the Galatians or the, the Romans or the Ephesians or Corinthians. We wouldn't have been reading that because he would have been too busy getting dug out of pits all the time and never able to get to the delivery or the manifestation or the walking out of what God called him and designed him to do, especially for the season that he was in. So Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So again, that grace is to save us, right? That grace is to bring us out of the pit. But that's not all it does. That salvation of coming in and letting our sins be covered by the blood of Jesus, that's part of it. That's one thing. But God also meant to, for us to finish the work that he called us to do. And that grace is what takes us into it. That grace is what brings us into it. And you, you, you'll you, read if you spend some time in the scriptures, Paul talks about um, relaying the foundations of the oracles of God, uh, learning about salvation in Jesus Christ, just getting saved from being in the world. And we're, we're going over these, these smaller principles over and over the foundational things. When you should be a teacher by now, you should be ready to handle the strong meat of the word of God. And God should be using you as a vessel of honor to do what he wants you to do but yet you are being held back because you are continually allowing yourself to be a slave to sin and he said that that is not to your credit <laughs> put that behind you let's move past this and let's use the grace of god for what it's designed for salvation is but the tip of the iceberg there's a whole life and destiny on the other side of that that god wants you and i to get to so let's do it. Let's receive his gifts in all area. Receive his grace in every area of your life and then trust him enough to do what he asks you to do because the Holy Spirit knows the grace of God. Of course, it's coming from him and the Holy Spirit is cooperating with that grace to bring you into your destiny, to bring you into the finishing of your faith, which is exactly where God wants you to be. And now walk and the Lord will walk you right into heaven that you will be coming in with the grace and on the grace of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Give, Receive that grace that God has given you. Receive it and apply it correctly. Uh, Jude, verse 4 says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation ungodly men who turn the grace of God, the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So denying God is saying, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm really going to do this anyway. Yeah, God, I know that you want to take me forward into my destiny, but I just can't let go of this sin. I'm just not ready right now. I don't want to go forward in this, Lord. That is an ungodly use of the things of God. And the Lord doesn't want you to be held there any longer. So wherever you are today, what whatever part of your life that you've come to, let that lay down at the feet of Jesus and let God know that you're ready. Turn your heart and say, God, 
I'm going to take the grace that you give me, that you've given and supplied for my lifetime, and I'm going to let you walk me through that and use your grace according to your design, Lord. I'm going to use your grace effectively for good things, not to abuse it, not to frustrate your grace, Holy Spirit, not to grieve you, Holy Spirit, with my choices and my actions, but to love you and to love your word and to love your commandments and to appreciate and rightfully and rightly apply the grace of God to my life. So I hope you're blessed by that today. I just want to encourage you. The world is pressing for you to rely on what you can see and what you can hear and to be entertained and to devalue the things of God because you may not be able to physically see with your eye just yet what they pertain to and where they go and how far they reach. And I just want to encourage you, put your eyes on Jesus. Everything he says to you, his grace and your faith in him has great recompense of reward. And the grace of God is all you need. You need the goodness of the Lord and he will get that job done. Just walk with him and cooperate with him and do your very best not to resist the Lord. So I just want to pray for you just for a moment. God, I thank you for your, your people, Lord. I thank you for the listeners. And I thank you, Lord, that you hear their voice. You hear their call unto you, Lord. And I thank you that now they are open and able to hear your voice and you calling unto them and directing them and guiding them in their life. And they can now fully understand that your grace, you're calling them for good. Your grace has been supplied to them for good and to bring them into a good and fruitful and prosperous land, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you for that. The land flowing with milk and honey, that's where you're taking them to. And not just in heaven, that's that seems like it's a far off, but you having your will as in heaven here on earth present for them, Lord God. And I just thank you for that, Jesus. We receive that now by faith and we, we take courage in you and our confidence in you. And we take your word to heart because you know the thoughts and the plans that you have for us and you know the things of our destiny and how to walk us into it lord and the good things there for us and i bless your name jesus in jesus mighty name i pray amen if this blessed you please take a moment and like this episode subscribe to this channel and share it on your social media i thank you so much and remember live your life in the messiah's love god bless you have a wonderful day